Good morning. Thank you for being here today. It's a beautiful day. We appreciate your presence. If you are visiting with us, please come back. We'd love to have you. We meet again at 1 p.m. today. We would invite you to come back and be with us for another hour of worship. Very grateful for all the blessings that we enjoy, the opportunity that we've had to sing this morning together and to pray, to partake of the Lord's Supper and now to study from His Word. And so we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 27, the passage that was read a moment ago by Rex, as we think about the theme, a profoundly personal question. In our lesson text, as you well know, the Lord Jesus Christ was on trial for crimes that He did not commit. They trumped up charges, and they ultimately, was all said and done, put Him to death on Calvary just outside the walls of Jerusalem. Little did Pontius Pilate know that when he asked the question nearly 2,000 years ago, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? That that question is a searing personal question that all must answer. You have to decide what you're going to do with the Lord. And really it's a daily question, what am I going to do with, with the Lord? And so in our study today, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 27, using this as a springboard to our study. And again, the title of our lesson today, A Profoundly Personal Question. In light of that, I want to begin by asking you this question. What will you do with Jesus? That question carries a lot of weight. It packs a very powerful punch. Note, if you would, that Pontius Pilate linked Jesus to the Christ. The Christ, the Anointed One. The idea that He was indeed the Messiah, the one of whom the Old Testament prophets foretold. So what will you do with Jesus? So we begin our study today. Let me just cite for you what I believe to be some preliminary questions. Number one, what does the Lord think of me individually? What does the Lord think of you? Have you ever thought about that? I think it's a fair question. What does the Lord think about me? I can tell you this, when I read 1 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 4, I read where Paul said that God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So to understand that God wants me to be one of His children. You remember Peter said God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In 2 Peter chapter 3 at verse 9. Listen to Jesus in John chapter 15. When he said, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. What does the Lord think about me? What does he think about you? John said in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, God is love. And this God of love loves each and every one of us. The golden text of the Bible, John 3, 16. I would imagine that most of us can quote it from memory. 
For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God is a being of love, and God, as a being of love, wants me to know how much He loves me. There's a song that many of our young people sing and that we began singing as young people ourselves. And I think the song that we began singing years and years ago and that we sing today is a reminder of what the Lord thinks about us. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Those words are so true and so powerful. So what does the Lord think about me? But then there is a second question. The second question is, what do I think about the Lord? What do you think about the Lord? I have to draw my own conclusions as do you. Salvation is an individual thing. We don't obey the gospel by proxy. But I want you to think about something for a minute. As we think about the question raised by Pontius Pilate nearly 2,000 years ago, what we think about Jesus will ultimately determine what we do with Him. So in your eyes, who is Jesus? Would you affirm as Peter did in the long ago that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Would you acknowledge Him as the second member of the Godhead, the one who came, divesting Himself of the glories He enjoyed in heaven, tabernacling in human flesh, dying for the sins of the world? Would you acknowledge Him as the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Again, what you think about Jesus will determine what you do with Jesus. Let me tell you why a lot of people have never obeyed the gospel, never come to an appreciation of what the Lord has done for them. The reason is simple. They don't know the Jesus of Scripture. They don't know anything about Him. They really don't understand what He has done on their behalf. Do you remember when Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2? Peter said, Jesus bore our sins in His own body, that we being dead unto sin might live unto the righteousness. In chapter 3, verse 18, again, Peter said that Christ has also once suffered for sins. Listen to him. The just for the unjust. Why, Peter? That he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, made alive by the Spirit. So what do you think about Jesus? So number one, again, the idea that there are some preliminary questions that we have to grapple with. But then secondly, there is a primary question. We can evade it, we can ignore it, we can do a lot of things with the question, but the bottom line is it still comes back to us. What am I going to do with Jesus? 
What are you going to do with Jesus? Have you ever thought about, in this context, how personal this question is? I don't think Pilate understood the magnitude and the spiritual implications of the question he posed. What then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? Now listen. He offered him up to be crucified on Calvary's cross. As I mentioned a moment ago, just outside the walls of Jerusalem, Pilate, unbeknown to him, needed to answer that question correctly. So what about you personally speaking? You know, there are certain things that we just don't ask people because they're personal. There are some things that are just off limits. But this is not a question that's off limits. No, this is a question that each and every one of us have to grapple with. What am I going to do with Jesus who's called the Christ? What are you going to do with Him? Better yet, what have you done with Jesus who's called Christ? So number one, to understand it is an intensely personal question. But not just personal, it is a profound question. You know why it's so profound? Because how you answer this question will determine where you live in eternity. There are a lot of questions that we get posed to us on a regular basis. It might be that you have a job and one of the things that you have to do on a daily basis as required by your job, answer questions. Counselors have people come in, they sit down in their office, and the people on the other side of the desk, they're looking for answers. They got a lot of questions. Sometimes the counselor will pose them questions so that they might get an idea of where this person is in life. But is there anything more profound than asking, what will we do with Jesus? There's a third thought here. It is an acutely provocative question. And by that I mean, when we ask this question, what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? This question evokes a response you have to decide, I have to decide, we can't stay neutral with regard to this question, can we? And listen, if we fail to be receptive to His teaching, receptive to His overtures, we've made a decision. We can either receive Him, obey the gospel, or we can reject Him. God's not going to coerce us. He's not going to force us to become one of His children. He wants us to do that. He wants us to do it willingly, lovingly, obediently. When it's all said and done, it's on me. It's in my court. I've got to decide what I'm going to do with Jesus who is called the Christ. Now you remember in John chapter 1, the Bible talks about Jesus. And the Bible says, He came to His own and His own received Him not. That is, a lot of folks... Numbered among the children of Israel, they rejected the Son of God. Matter of fact, over in John chapter 5, Jesus said, You search the Scriptures, 
For in them you think you have eternal life. These are they which testify of me. But he said, you're not willing to come to me that you might have life. They dug in their heels. They were very bold in their assertions that they would not come to the Christ, wouldn't identify Him as the Messiah, the Son of the living God. So you've got to make a decision. You can reject Him as countless numbers of people have done down through the ages, or you can be receptive to Him. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, the promise being, I will give you rest. Jesus said on one occasion, I stand at the door and knock. The Lord is knocking. The question is, will you open the door to your heart and let Him in? You have to answer that. So, number one, what will you do with Jesus? But then there's a second question. It's very important. This question, what will Jesus do with you? Now listen, it's one thing to ask the question, what will you do with Jesus? But now to flip the coin to look at the other side of the equation. What will Jesus do with you? What will He do with me? Sobering question, isn't it? So I want to think about for a moment or two some considerations. Let's just think for a moment or two about the teaching of Jesus. The first thing that stands out in my mind is the transparency of His teaching. Advertisers today, they understand the power of trying to sell a product or service through the medium of advertising. They're trying to make their product or their service look good so that you'll buy it so that you will desire it. All right, how many times have you seen companies employ the old bait and switch? You know, they promise you one thing, but then when you get down to the nitty-gritty, they're not willing to come through with what they promised. Listen, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was very transparent. No baiting and switching with the Son of God. Listen, if Jesus said, this is how it is, then you can bank on it. This is how it is. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. All right, Lord, who's going to heaven? Those who do the will of the Father. Any exceptions? Absolutely not. How do I know that? Because that's exactly what He said. The Lord was very forthright in His teaching, wasn't He? I mean, just think about some of the plain, clear-cut passages of Scripture. There are some passages that are so clear, concise, simplistic, you couldn't miss it if you wanted to. When Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Can you understand that? Any trouble understanding what the Lord meant by that? Listen, a first grader can understand that. If you can understand see, spot, run, you can understand that, can't you? 
When Jesus said that the saved are in the church, Acts 2, 47. What does that mean? It means every person who is saved is in the church. Can I understand that? Acts 2, 47, Ephesians 5, 23. Sure I can. When the Lord said, be faithful unto death, and I'll give you the crown of life. Can you understand that? Any misunderstanding there? When the Lord, through John the Apostle, said in Revelation chapter 22, Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and enter through the gates into the city. Can you understand that? Sure. The question is not, can we understand it? The question is, are we willing to obey it? The Lord was transparent in His teaching. Number two, the Lord was truthful in His teaching. One of the earmarks of deity, deity does not, cannot lie. Isn't that what the Bible teaches? Didn't Paul say that we live in hope of life eternal, which God, listen to him, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 6, it is impossible for God to lie. So if God said it, it's true. I don't have to worry about the reliability of His Word. If God made a promise to me in Scripture, I can believe it. Remember what Peter said, 2 Peter chapter 1, talking about how God has given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises? Are there promises that I can enjoy as a child of God? Sure. I can know for, I can know with absolute certainty that when I obey the gospel, my sins are forgiven. I can know with certainty that my name has been recorded in the Lamb's book of life. I can know that with certainty. I can know that when I pray to God, He hears my prayers and answers them. Well, why? Because that's what God said in His Word. So, we talk about the teaching of Jesus. Some considerations. But then there's a second thought. There is, there is, there will be an examination. You ever thought about the day when we are ushered before the throne of God? To know that there is a date known only to God, that the world will end and we will be ushered before Him. He'll sit upon that throne, as John said in Revelation chapter 20. John said, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened. John, in that statement, had us in mind. Small and the great, standing before God. So what about this judgment? Paul said, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us must give an account of himself to God. What Paul is saying there is we're all going to be present at the judgment. So what about that judgment? What's that all about? Number one, have you ever thought about the thoroughness of this examination? In Revelation chapter 2, the Lord Jesus said no long ago that he is the one who searches the reins and the heart. The examination that we face on that final day, oh, it'll be thorough. 
The Lord's not going to miss a thing. Every bit of evidence that we, that we leave behind in this world, every bit of that evidence will be brought to the judgment. Won't be any circumstantial evidence. No, the Lord's going to be very thorough in His examination of my life. What I need is to have the Lord serving as my advocate on that final day. I need the Lord Jesus Christ and His cleansing blood availing in my life so that when I stand before God, I can stand before Him pure and just. Is that you? When Jesus comes again, the question will no longer be, what will you do with Jesus? The question of the hour, what will He do with you? What will He do with me? How would you answer that? The examination will be thorough and it will be according to truth. How do I know how God's going to judge me? I can know by reading this book. So my question to you, how well do you know this book? Remember what John said? I saw the dead, small and great standing before God. The books were open. What books, John? The Word of God. Listen to Jesus. He that rejects me receives not my words, has that which judges him, the word that I have spoken. The same shall judge him in the last day, John 12, 48. Paul said, we know that the judgment of God is according to truth. Well, what's truth? Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth, John 17, 17. So the bottom line is, we're going to be judged on the basis of truth. And what the Lord does with me on the day of judgment will hinge upon what I have done with this book in my life. The truthfulness of this book. We're going to be judged according to the truth of Almighty God. So when you stand before the Lord and that book is opened, how are you going to fare? How's that going to work out for you? How's it going to work out? You got any concerns right now? You in Christ? You outside Christ? How will you fare on that final day? I can't answer that question for you, but you have to answer it. And you have to feel comfortable with your spiritual relationship knowing and I'd underline that, knowing you will stand before King Jesus one day. So how, how will that work out for you? Is He going to look you in the eyes and say to you, well done, good and faithful servant? Is that what He's going to say? Now listen, the flip side of that is, if He doesn't say well done, good and faithful servant, you know what He's going to say? Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. You don't want that said to you on the judgment. 
I know there are a lot of people in our world today, they poke fun at the subject of hell. They joke about it. They laugh about it. But I'm here to tell you today that what the Lord said about hell, it is true. And you do not want to go to hell under any circumstances. I'll tell you where you do want to go, you want to go to heaven. Where you'll enjoy that incorruptible, imperishable body. Where you can spend eternity forevermore in the presence of God and His people to never again face death, to never again face the sorrows and pains and heartaches of this life. I want to encourage you to do a study in the next few days. We talk about the resurrection and the resurrection of the body and how God's people, that is those who belong to Him, will enjoy a glorified body Go home and do some research about the resurrected body of the wicked. Do some homework. Go back and read Daniel chapter 12. I can tell you this. The body of the redeemed is put in contrast to the body of the wicked. And it is a vile, repulsive picture. You need to think about that. So I'm asking, what will you do with Jesus? More importantly, what will He do with you? If you haven't obeyed the gospel of Christ, I'm telling you today, there is no time like the present don't walk out these doors outside of Jesus Christ and face the possibility of being severed from the presence of God forevermore because that's what it will be. Make no mistake about it. And we can come up with a lot of hypothetical questions of this and that, but I can tell you this, whatever God said in His Word, that's how it's going to be. That's it. Have you been baptized into Jesus Christ so that your sins might be washed away? Listen, if you haven't done that, you're not saved. If you're not a member of the Lord's church that you can read about in the Bible, you are not among the saved. Here's what Paul said, today is a day of salvation. The Lord wants you to be saved. He doesn't want you to die and lose your soul in hell. Hell wasn't prepared for you, it's prepared for the devil and his angels. So I'm asking, what are you going to do with Jesus today? Not tomorrow, not next week, next month, next year. What are you going to do with Him today? If you're unfaithful to His cause, you know where you are in your spiritual life. You know for a fact the Lord is not pleased with how you're living. And you know that as one of His children that have gone back into the world, you don't have any hope right now. You know you're lost. And Peter said, it would have been better for you not to have known the way of righteousness than after having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto you. So what do you need to do? You need to repent. 
turn your life around, get back on the right road, so that one day when God comes, you can hear Him say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. When you signed on as a Christian, you didn't sign on to go back into the world. You signed on to live for Jesus every single day. That's it. It's about denying self, dying to sin, and dedicating our lives to His service. Is that you? What will you do with Jesus? Better yet, what will He do with you as we stand and sing?